calling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in the country, it's the podcast that pulls back the curtain on the natural products industry. Welcome back to episode two of Don't Fear the COVID Vaccine. I hope you guys get the reference to Don't Fear the Reaper in there and the more cowbell thing. I don't have a cowbell on my sound effect board, otherwise I would have hit it. Please check out the blog at woodstockvitamins.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Give this podcast a review and preferably a good one because I feed off praise in an unhealthy manner. Right now, we're going to just dive in and I'm going to let my guest do all of the speaking Last week, when we talked to Dr. Yip, we talked about vaccine development, what a normal vaccine life cycle looks like, and how we really lucked out on top of all the money and attention of the world being thrown at this problem. This week, we're going to dig into some of the more logistical questions, how the vaccine's going to roll out, how it's going to be stored, and all of those frequently asked question type things that come up. But first, let's start with more specifics about safety, side effects, and the risk. You're talking about this idea of safety. So in a phase two trial, it's only a couple hundred people. They're being monitored. And a vaccine, like a lot of folks will say, well, that's not enough time to measure safety, you know, because it's it's a short amount of time, right? It's maybe a yep. month or two. Mm-hmm. But really yep. with vaccines, and what I like people to hear is that you don't really need to monitor for very long, right? Because no. it it's you're just looking at that moment and then for a short period after is really it because you're by it's in and out, you know. Most most of the vaccine, if you're going to get any significant um, um, side effect or we call it adverse event, yeah, usually happen within the first two three weeks. Right. There there are a few exceptions. I mean, I mean, well, I I do want to make one important remark, which is that there's no perfectly safe vaccine on Earth. Every vaccine that we ever use. Would it be the MMR, the DPT, polio we give to the, the babies? Whether it be the winter flu vaccine, whether it be the, you know, the the HPV vaccine to the, for the adolescents or the, the shingle vaccine. Every vaccine, if you look at a large number of people, hundreds and thousands, there's always going to be some adverse events. But it's always the the weighing between the risk and benefit. If the benefit, for example, using measles vaccine, say for every million measles shots given, a couple of kids will get very sick. For every 5 million measles shot given, maybe one child could die or, or severely damaged. So that sounds horrible, right? But for that 5 million measles shots given, in any given country, we might have saved 300 deaths on measles. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so you're weighing between 300 deaths and one child gets injured. Mm-hmm. That's why we, the Congress, developed this Childhood Vaccine Compensation Act mm-hmm. you know, in, 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 I think, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, if you are injured, we pay you, but we want everybody gets protected. Right. I'm, and and also there are another thing which is that there could be long-term cons- uh, adverse event, which is so rare. You can never measure in the phase three. Phase mm-hmm. three is relatively short. Right. A couple months. Yeah. 40, 50,000 people, maybe 60. I mean, by the way, 60,000 people that I think Johnson & Johnson is trying to do, it's one of the largest phase three we ever done for any vaccine. 
And that's important for people to hear. And I think that's what a lot of folks are worried about is they think that there's it's smaller and it's shorter. But it to me, it seems like it's the same size and bigger. Oh, much bigger than any other, the most other vaccine that we use. I mean, the winter flu vaccine, actually, we never go through phase three. Right. I hate to tell you this, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> because we don't have time to do it. Right. By the time you you formulate that this coming winter vaccine, you need to you need a six months time to produce it. There's no time for the phase three. It's the best guess. Only thing we know this particular type of vaccine is relatively safe. Right. Just because we're just making a different formulation. Right. For for different type of uh, uh, you know hemo- I mean, influenza. Right. So. So that that is you know, um, there, I mean, can this be happen? Said, let's say we right now give hundreds and millions of people more than half the United States, and then a few months from now we start seeing rare occurrence of certain unusual disease happen as a result of the vaccine. There is always a possibility of that. Yeah, but 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 you, but again, I want to argue this: you have to wait against something. What yeah. do we wait against? We are waiting against 2,000 people are dying every day. Yeah. We're waiting about something like, you know, two, close to 280,000 people get infected every day. Mm-hmm. Let's say we use the vaccine. So later on, we find out for every half a million people, somebody developed this weird disease. Their, 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 their mouth will droop. Their eye cannot open up. Well, can you accept? 500 cases of people having this facial issue problems, neurological symptom, compared with, but by doing the vaccine, we might have saved extra, say, 150,000 people in the next uh, life in the next six months. You can't compare that. No. But to the people who get damaged, of course, they'll be very angry. Yeah. But that's the, that's the, the truth of every vaccine. Of anything. I mean, one of the things I Every like, drug. Every thing. It's every supplement, every every seatbelt, every car you sit in. Yeah. Part of being an adult is accepting that there's a risk in every choice. There's an inherent Airplane. risk. Airplanes. Airplanes. Of we, we, think that we think it's very safe, right? We yeah. never think. But airplanes do crash, right? Yeah. Pharmacists make mistakes. You know, doctors might screw up. There's oh. risks. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a big, big problem. The computers are smarter than us, you know? So, so everything has an inherent risk and it. And yeah. So, and there has been times that vaccines have failed us in the past. I don't want to hide that notion. So I'm actually going to share a link in our show notes and I might even put it on the screen if we can figure that out for a URL, the CDC, very transparent. These are the times that things have gone wrong, you know? And another thing that I always like to talk about too is coincidental deaths because Statistics is, is weird. You oh, know, yeah. Statistics are weird, right? There's a lot of people in this country. And the concept of con- uh, coincidental deaths is, is this, that at any given time, you know, 200 people might die from a heart attack or from, you know, a pregnant woman might lose her child. Maybe there's 50 of those every month or something like that. So if there are 50 every month and a, a big population of those folks get vaccines and then directly after the vaccine that miscarriage or whatever loss happens, we, of course, as humans, we build a story and try to connect the two dots. But yep. it it actually is just 
crap luck. You know, I want to swear, but I can't. But, uh, you know, they, they tell me I can't beep, bleep stuff anymore. I'm going to get explicit lyrics on uh, on podcast networks. But anyway, so like you just get this crap scenario that people unfortunately are part of and we want to build that link. And so what we do in those situations is we look at the larger data. We look at the, the whole pool because what you haven't mentioned is the phase four trial. The phase four is the post- Market Marketing, research. Yep. Yeah. So that's yep. what happens when it hits the it, the real world. So we go from smaller study to larger study to the largest study, which is everybody, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. in the case of COVID, it's going to be quite a few people. You know, we're going to have the biggest freaking uh, post-marketing thing that we've had in a long time, right? Yep. And we're going to get lots of really great data about the the actual safety, right? The, the closest we can get to what a medication or intervention could do is if we did it for every single person, and then we would get pretty close to the truth, right? <laughs> because even though there's 7.7 billion people in this country, giving every single person in the world, that, in, the wor- in the world, I'm sorry, yes. Um, even if we give it to every single person in the world, we would still get a good idea of what could potentially happen just because things can happen, you know? So I just think it's important for people to understand that there is this concept of coincidental deaths. Again, I'll put a link in there so you can read about that because it's, it's important to understand. So that's yeah. a very good point. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you bring that up. Yeah, no problem. I'm, you know, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm well read occasionally. I can, I can pr- fake my way through it here. So, you know, the idea of the trial size wasn't large enough. You don't believe is an issue because in fact, it's larger no. than most stuff. No, no, no. It's actually one of the, uh, of all the, the, the COVID-19 vaccine that's undergoing trial, in terms of sample size for phase three, they they are some of the largest trial ever for any vaccines. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. timing again, I just want to make sure that we're clear. So the the length of a phase three trial typically isn't years like pe- people think like 10, 17 years, the drug development entire path is phase three. They don't understand that it's broken up. And of course, in phase three trials are, are you know varying length. So like a vaccine phase three trial is we we've gone through an appropriate amount of time, right? The normal amount of time. Or do you feel like we've even like gone a little bit shorter, but we've been okay with that? Well, you know, the, the amount the time for the phase three has largely to do with how common the disease condition is. Right. We are in the middle of a raging epidemic. Right. There's no shortage of cases. Right. Right. But, 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 but uh, let me give you an example, like the, uh, um, the, the hip vaccine. Hemophilus influenza and being yes, gifted babies, right. mm-hmm. and those severe influ- uh, hemophilus conditions, meningitis and pneumonia in babies, you know, for every big cities like New York City, you know, gets about fifty hundred cases a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, COVID, we get two thousand <laughs> cases a day. Yeah. So if you do a trial for the hip vaccine, you might have to wait for a couple of years. Right. To accumulate enough cases to see how protective it is. Right. But if you if we were doing the COVID vaccine trial in New York City in March and April, we only need two days. Right. So, so it's just so that it has a lot to do with the incidence right. of the condition you are trying to to measure against. Right. So there was a concept that a pediatrician brought up that I wanted to talk about: antibody dependent enhancement. So you're familiar with that. Yeah, I know what it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you want to explain kind of what it is? The way, the best way I understand is that if you end up with a vaccine 
that creates some immunity, but it's not truly protective against you, but your body assimilates some of the. So when you encounter the virus later, somehow it works against you. You right. you develop a more severe manifestation. You you develop your immune response can be such be so out of whack it can be it can hurt you more than it protects you right it it's not a th i wouldn't want to call it a, th a theoretical construct mm -hmm. but i would say it, it it probably happened to some people in fact in the early phase of the co uh the this this epidemic we we think some of the people who end up uh, develop very severe disease and and died. It's not because the virus was so potent or so aggressive in those people. Is those people's body developed such a strong reaction? The, our own immunity developed this cytokine storm. The immunity kind of overwhelming, and that immunity become non-discriminatory, start harming some parts of, of vital organs, heart and livers and kidneys. And that's why this uh, steroid drug, dexamethasone, now mm -hmm. shown to be helping to reduce mortality for the severe cases, right. because they they reduce and modulate our immune response. Right. So, but but right now, this for the vac the vaccine we're talking about, mm -hmm. if the vaccine is truly ninety plus percent protective, yeah, I would say this would be. A theoretical concern. That's right. I and wouldn't be worried about it. And what I've heard about antibody dependent enhancement is that that's really what they're looking for in phase two and phase three. Like that's really that reaction is like the the red light, green light for a lot of because you can see that, you can pick that up. And I think ADE did happen uh in a recent vaccine. I don't know if it was like with an HIV can candidate or something like that, but I have heard of that. And I'll I'll add that into the show notes if we can find that that mm -hmm. reference. But yeah, I think that's just that's the thing that I think people should be aware of, uh, but not have to worry about in this situation. So, um, because again, the, the side effects, right? So that's, that's where we're, we're now led to is, okay, so we, we're confident in the way that this thing's been manufactured. So now, you know, a lot of folks are asking about the actual thing itself, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. how do we know what's inside this vaccine? Will they disclose that information? And what kinds of long-term effects could the other things that are in the vaccine cause? Well, let me put it this way. Mm -hmm. This particular vaccine or group of vaccine probably has the most transparent information data mm -hmm. out there before it's approved. Right. Any vaccine. Now, most of us all had dozens of vaccines throughout life. Right. How many of you ever asked the question, how many people was in phase three? How many, <laughs> how long did it last? Come on, give me a break. We never asked. We just stick our arms out and they give, or when you, you know, bring your child, you know, they give the shot in the butt. So it's actually a good point. If I don't mind interrupting you, because I've been giving away shingle shots like they're candy after the commercials tell everybody that how good it is. And the shingles trial has like one third of what went through the COVID trials, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's, it, it is like, uh, it's because of the microscope, right? We're, we're, this is under a microscope. We know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. No, because, because shingles is there, there's, there's no political overtone. 
I really right. think the, the 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 desire of President Trump trying to drive this vaccine out before November the third, and uh, as part of his sort of boosting his sort of um, you know ability to to win the election, yeah, definitely color, you know, both people on both sides. Oh yeah, the, totally. The left and right, yeah. Yeah, he's so excited about a space force. He's naming it warp speed, and like you know, people get nervous about that. And you know, there's a track record of not doing things great. So, and then you start worrying about the grifting and all the other crazy stuff that's been going on. So, I, I totally get where everybody's at, and that's really what it is. We're all paying attention, and we never do. And so, it's kind of you know what it reminds me of me watching the Super Bowl. I have no idea what's going on. I can pretend like I know what's going on. I can get really invested in it, but I'm really no expert and I normally don't pay attention. So, um, you know, my anxieties about, you know, Tom Brady should, should not <laughs> play, play into my betting. Uh, but anyway, um, one of the uh, good questions is there was a concern about epigenetics. So, you know, we, we have these MRNA vaccines. So a lot of folks are talking about I heard that because it's working in the DNA and the RNA, it can become a part of who we are, and then we mutate and we become coronaviruses or, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> we will have, we will, we will grow spikes and horns. <laughs> <laughs> Might make some people look better, you know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the the mRNA vaccine is definitely a brand new uh, construct. There's never before. Uh, we had done the vaccine by just sending the genetic instructions to to uh, make the antigen. Then the body will react to it. And, uh, of course, that's contingent on that genetic, the DNA or the RNA instruction to incorporate with some of our cells machinery to make that. So so that, that is the deal. And... Um, um, but the truth is, you know, we are actually exposed to virus all the time. Our, the, if you really talk to the, the evolutionary geneticists, looking at the entire human genome, yeah, you'll be surprised what what I can't remember the percentage, but it's like could be as much as twenty five percent of a genome. It came from different type of virus. Oh yeah. We, we, we are not as pure as we think. No, definitely not. We had a geneticist on the podcast actually talking about this idea. And even how, like, we have 25,000 genes, the bacteria that makes up our microbiome and, the, and the, all of the little buggies that live inside of us has 600,000 genes. So they're, we're actually more bacterial from a genetic standpoint than we are human. And so, yeah, it is really interesting to hear some of those concerns. I, I think... You know, and well, if those people who has any concern of you know, getting a, a genetic material, DNA uh, messenger RNA material, mm -hmm. well, wait, wait until the 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 protein. Um, there's uh, the the one is um, and there's a company uh, in in uh, outside uh, in Maryland called no Novavax. They are part of this U.S. government uh, project Warspeed. Uh, they make they make the so-called protein subunit. They they basically do purified components of the protein. Then you, if you want, I'm sure their their vaccine will be successful. Probably will be, you know, finish their phase three by February and March. So if you're truly worried about right. 
becoming part of the coronavirus. <laughs> wait for that. <laughs> okay. And I guess that, that actually speaks to another question because somebody said, you know, which companies is going to be the safest and, and can we have a choice? And yeah, you do. Like you don't have to rush out. And in fact, most of the people that are listening to this, I've been telling them, don't even just get this out of your head, man. Like, you know, well, most of the people listen to it are not qualified to be on the, the <laughs> that the that we call it the top tier people, right? Who will be getting it next week? Okay, right. yeah. I mean, unless you are working in the hospital, emergency room, intensive care, ambulance right. driver, nursing home, yeah. Unless you are part one of those people, yeah. You know, we 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 are not on the priority list. No, I I agree with that. In fact, I would even say me as a pharmacist, essential workers. While it's important, I don't think that we need to. I, the mask benefit and doing what we're supposed to do and and the measures seem to be containing it. We know that the spread is happening at home when we're taking our masks off and when we're mixing with people and and kind of putting our guard down. So I would say like let's get everybody else taken care of first, of course, but. Um, you know, my wife was kind of speculating on the idea of why we have 90% success rate with these mRNAs, and it could be because of that technology. I mean, it, you know, it, normally we get a small dose of something and then we're responding to it where in this situation, that small dose is, is replicating kind of on a larger scale and allows our immune system to kind of build a little bit of a beefier response. What do you think about that? Is she onto something? Should she switch her careers? Well, let me put it this way. I will be very happy with um, vaccine, which is 75 or 80 percent effective. I mm -hmm. I don't even think we we necessarily need an, uh, a 95 percent effective vaccine. Let me tell you why. The 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 whatever that the less effective component, the, mm -hmm. the 10, 15, 20 percent, those people may still be able, let's say. Um, infected by the, the virus, but they will have partial immunity. It means it's not, it's vaccine is not like all or none phenomenon. Of course. So they have partial immunity. If they have partial immunity, there's two benefit. Benefit to myself is that I won't get it sick. I may be asymptomatic. I may have a mild condition. Benefit number two is to other people is that because I partial immunity, the virus, amount of virus that I can produce and generate and spread is either little or or, or much lower. Right. So so it so from from a population public health perspective, there's still a lot of benefit of having a less than perfect vaccine. So we can still, you know, because we have to look at this. We have to, as a country, as a world, we have to get majority of the people in good, safe condition in order to bring our back to the to the normal life. Right. So a partial, you, so people shouldn't worry about say, oh, there's a vaccine that's ninety six point seven percent. That <laughs> one is ninety one percent. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to go get the ninety. Listen. They're all good. They're all good for us. They're all good for the world. Right. That is import, important concept. But of course, that public health concept is it's a difficult one for most people to grasp because most people don't think in in, in that term. That yeah. you know that that's why some of us train as a public health specialist. Yeah, I think that um, you know what you've helped us do here with the safety stuff and give us a kind of like a glimpse about the trial structure and how it compares. 
it makes me feel a lot better. I, I studied this stuff in school, but it was like a freaking semester. Right. So like I, I you know, it was like a chapter of a semester, but you know, this idea, I think about it being abbreviated or cut short, I think we've done a good job of addressing that. So I think what we can do is now move to rollout type stuff and like logistics stuff, the basics for people, right? Because that's the next question is, okay, is it going to be safe for me? Well, yeah, we are expecting it to be very safe. And of course, weird stuff can and probably will happen, but the risk is very, very small to this huge benefit globally. Um, and you know, we can very quickly pull a plug if anything out of the extreme ordinary would come up, but you know, we are very confident that that's not going to happen because of how we structure our trials and how we do our statistics and, and all of that leading to this point. So, so one of the questions, I guess in the UK, morbidly obese people are up on the list of like high priority. So do you think it's a smart idea for me to beef up a little bit, maybe eat some more cookies so I can get on that top list? Do you think that would be a good strategy for me? You have to eat a lot of you have to eat a lot of cookies to, I mean, to, to get to get into the more obesity category. I mean, I could do it. Don't doubt me, right? Don't doubt me. <laughs> I think drinking beer is better than eating cookies. All right, I'm I'm with you. Let's get it together. We're gonna get on that list. Um, so you know, we had kind of alluded to this, but the idea of non-high risk people. I've been telling people May is when you can kind of expect it you know, where it's in the community and it's easy to get and you're just walking in and getting a shot. Do you think that that's a little bit late? Do you think earlier in the spring or, you know, am I no. right? Listen, to me, March, April, May, they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at, le at least, you know, at least at least I really felt seeing that, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I mean, think about this. I mean, we we basically United States has proven at least up to this point we're incapable of responding properly, effectively, adequately to this pandemic. Because it, it really pains me because I'm sure because I, I live part part of the time in Asia, spend time in Taiwan, in China. Oh, they're killing it. And and I, I, I look and look at what they are doing. Oh, and yeah. they're not doing anything that's extraordinary. Right. You know, people say, well, you have to be a really, you know, dictatorship, autocratic, and you have the strict lockdown. No, no. They just implement their public health measure properly. Yeah. They scale up their testing capacity very quickly. South Korea, Japan, China. They just, they, we, even today, we still have all kinds of hiccups and inadequacy with our testing capacity. Yeah. It's not the money. It's not the technology. It's the, the leadership, management, and coordination. So, so it's it's that kind of issues. But I at least I got a good feeling. We are going to do this vaccine part. Yeah. The distribution. Yeah. Proper. Yeah. At least I so far I see all the writing on the wall. We are on the right track. Yeah. Which I'm quite confident. This could be our solution to our problem. We already suffer since March. I say from March to now, how many months? Almost, you know, yeah, ni almost nine, nine months. Mm -hmm. So, so I would say if we can, if we can endure nine months, don't let the next three four months be the deal breaker. Yeah, for sure. You know? 
Yeah, a little little more patience and doing what you're supposed to do. So you brought up a couple of things and your expertise is in this. So, you know, a lot of folks will point to the idea that China is suppressing information because of the type of government that they have. And that's why it looks so good there. Do you have any insight into that? You know, a lot of us don't really understand, uh, I mean, foreign European governments, let alone Asian governments. Um, but, you know, do you have, do you feel like that's an issue at all? Well, there, because it's an autocratic system, they have a, you know, it's a, it's a dictator system that the government is, has control over the population, which means it's a command and control. So, so when they, if they have the right playbook in terms of uh, disease control, public health measure, they can implement it without any quickly and, yeah, and without uh, any anti right? anti maskers at Olive Garden. Yeah, right? no, yeah. there's no, but but here here I give you the, the other example. Uh, before I came back to um, here to to the New York State. Uh, I, first, I was in January. I was in Beijing, so I knew this was coming. I know this: the lockdown, the measures going to be harsh. I said, "Ah, I don't think I can." My wife and I, we want to weather that. Mm -hmm. So we escaped somewhere in early February. So we went to Taiwan first. Taiwan just and Taiwan during those like the February and March has as many people fly into them from China as United States has. Mm. But Taiwan is a real liberal democratic country. Yeah. But their government has the credibility. They have the transparency. They they respond early. They make the, they tell the people they have news conference. They set up a high level um, command center for COVID you know response. Every afternoon they have news conference briefing the people how many cases we found from where and how how many cases we are not able to track with it. They, and they tell people what to do, how to do it. The only thing they did was actually start wearing masks quite early. They yeah. never have to shut the business down. Right. They never have to shut the school down. So far, for the last 200 days, they haven't had a locally transmitted case. Everything, every cases they had are people, Taiwanese flew back into country because they are in Europe and you know in a Euro and US. So so I would say in terms of the, this uh, uh, proper measure, the political system can give you a certain advantage, but how you manage it, can can the United States come out with a mechanism with credibility and transparency and trustworthiness to majority of the people? I believe yes, mm -hmm. we definitely have. Yeah. But so far, we we haven't seen any of that, and the and in fact, we made it into an issue between the blue and the red, which is very unfortunate. Extremely unfortunate, absolutely. And you know, I think it's kind of hypocritical. Of course, I think it's more like that anti-Chinese rhetoric that goes on. You know, we have no room to criticize other countries for suppressing data when we, I believe like our states are doing that. You know, and, you know, because today the uh, New York Times reported the excess deaths and you've been saying 275 because that's the published COVID death number, yeah. but it looks like it's but closer to no, 400,000. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 400,000. It's insane. That's 30% more, you know, and. Well, in fact, you since you bring out China, let me just give you one interesting number because I've been keeping a very close sort of writing a sort of a review report on what China done through, for this 
so far for this um, COVID um, uh, epidemic. Mm -hmm. They delayed the the local official in Wuhan trying to underplay the severity and the gravity of the outbreak that was discovered December 31st probably resulted in about a 10 days delay in their national response, 10 to 12 days. But once the central government, the Beijing government discovered this delay, they start response forcefully. In fact, by then they start responding, things were getting out of hand Yeah, there, just like in the Lombardy area in Italy or New York City in, in April. But they managed to put that fire down. So they delayed it by, okay, let's say two weeks. You know how much we delayed in the United States? Nine months. <laughs> we, 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 we knew. Yeah. China actually told the U.S. CDC yeah. the first half of January, we have this problem. We have this cases. We have this outbreak. We have this, the DNA sequence, da, 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 da. We didn't respond until this, the, the, the second half of March. So from mid-January to second half of March, we delayed it by two months. If we, now with our capability with CDC, if we let CDC to do their job, provide guidance and, and recommendation to the states, mobilizing the testing capacity, all that, if we had that two months, we would not be anywhere as deep we are today. Yeah. So meanwhile, we blame everything for China for hiding information for lack of transparency. Yes, they did. They delayed it by by twelve days, but we delayed it by sixty days. Yeah, agreed. I'm with you. I got nothing. I got nothing but uh, bad stuff to say about our response too. So I'm, I'm with you on that whole thing. So, so around this, it seems like this is going to be a two dose situation. Do you understand? Do you know like? Is it like a two month delay? Is it a three month delay? Do you know anything about that? Like the the vaccine when when we they, we get this? What the the logistics? Like you know when people come to get the shot, I believe they have to get two doses. So not only do yeah. we need you know basically three hundred million, we need six hundred million doses in this correct, country correct. if everybody were to get correct. it. So correct. Originally, the the one that's uh, um, been developed by Johnson and Johnson, they were hoping they can do just a single dose. Nice. But, but right now, it looks like they are having second thought. They are expanding their clinical trial, including as part of it with the second dose. Yeah. Normally, the second dose should be uh, received about three weeks after the first dose. Yeah, three so, weeks. Mm -hmm. So when when it's when it's allocated, mm -hmm. it should be allocated for each person. The second dose should be reserved. They should not. Hopefully, there'll be no. Issues. Shortages, yeah, exactly. Whether you got your second, first dose and couldn't get your second dose. Yeah. I mean, the second dose should have your name on there somewhere in the yeah. in, in the supply chain. Yeah. So. One of the things that came up, I registered today to be a vaccine provider with the CDC and New York State, and they were talking about storage. And that's a big question mark for everybody because the ultra cold is the word that they're using, but it's basically, you know, negative 60 or more um, and dry ice. So what do you think that, you know, what do you think about that, I guess? And, you know, how long will that last? And do you think that's a disadvantage for that? You know, like that, do you think that vaccine will become mass market, you know? Well, that can only, I think even in your setting, the, the one with the highest, um, Co-chain requirement is the one to be released by Pfizer. They have to be transported to the point of service 
at the minus uh, 70 uh, centigrade condition, which is, so they will be, they have a special uh, cold storage device with dry ice. Once they get to the, the final site, the, the way I understood based on the report is that they can be put in refrigerator, can be good for five days. Right. So if you, let's say, if you can line up enough people for the dosage you have for the next five days, then I don't think that's a serious issue. I don't think so either. You know, so yeah. So I think, but but this but but this is a very uh, expensive and um, difficult transport mechanism they have. So which means it will work in Western Europe and United States. Yes. But worldwide, right? To to send a special cold storage device with dry ice for Africa, for Middle Eastern country, for South America would be impractical. Yeah. But the good news is that. The other vaccines that's under development, for example, the, the, the ones Russia and China already developed, the whole virus inactivated vaccine, they can literally be stable in room temperature for one oh, month. Oh, there you go. That's great. Yeah, that's so, that's fantastic. Yeah, they're supposed to be stored in refrigerator in four degree, yeah. but but their temperature tolerance is up to 25 degree. Wow. So 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 it's going to be a mix and match game. Yeah. Some some countries are more suitable for certain type of vaccine, and then of course co companies like Moderna and Pfizer, they probably are developing a new generation of their mRNA vaccine with a different formulation that can be more temperature stable or something. Right. I'm almost sure they'd be doing that. They'd be stupid if they're not. They'd be stupid not to. Absolutely. Yeah. They're they're right on the next the next uh, the next train out of town here. So, um, how long do you think protection is going to last? Right now, we've got good reports that your immunity to the, the the current strain is at least six months because that's how long we've been tracking. Um, what do you think? Well, if we look at historically all the vaccines that ever developed that that's been given whether it be flu vaccine, whether it be childhood vaccine, whether it be shingle vaccine, HPV vaccine, hepatitis vaccine, most of I mean, tetanus vaccine, most of them are good for a few years. So, so even though we don't have the data, if I have to speculate, I would say two, three years should be pretty safe right. to, to, to be my guess. Mm -hmm. But let's put it this way. Because we are under a global pandemic emergency situation, if we can actually roll out the vaccine to 70% of the people worldwide within one year, that basically would probably will reach the, what we call the herd immunity threshold, such it will stop the transmission of this coronavirus. So we may we might have small focus of outbreaks in the future, then we just vaccinate only those people, right. but we don't necessarily need to re-immunize everybody, every country, every couple of years. I'm yeah. sure pharmaceutical company will be happy <laughs> to see that happen. Yes, especially but, since we paid for it. it. <laughs> but but if we, no, but the thing is that our first dose, uh, the, the no, next year, when we get our COVID vaccine, you, you and I don't have to pay because we already paid because those are our tax dollars. Mm -hmm. So it will be free. But Say if this thing kind of kind of start working into 2022, 23, it's kind of smoldering. We still have to get more shots. 
I can assure you, by that time, Operation War Speed payments long gone, <laughs> and you know it will be cash on the barrel. Okay. Yeah. So, um, kids, I guess that's one. You know, one of the last questions that I have is, you know, this wasn't studied in children. We have, you know, the the ages are kind of moving down the pike, um, but. What are your thoughts on kids? You know, would you immunize I, your children I, with this? Well, I think they they just need to do the limited clinical trial mm-hmm. at, at the minimum to demonstrate the safety. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, because there's there's some wisdom about considering putting kids as the priority, because we learned a lot from our uh, the the annual influence of um, flu, is that kids actually is the one bring the is they are the transmitter yeah, little petri dishes. Of, of the flu. Mm-hmm. They are the one bring home to the for the parents, to the grandparents. So so if you look at who are the most likely to get sick or become sicker, the older people, of course. But who are the ones likely to generate community transmission could be the kids. So we shouldn't we should take really take the 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 vaccination for the children uh more seriously. Yeah. Than we have right now. I agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. I got one more, I think. I guess, like, paint a picture for me. If we have these vaccine-hesitant folks that decide that they're just not going to get this early or later, they're just, you know what, this isn't for me. What does life look like if we have a 30% immunization rate? No way. <laughs> L- listen, um, the only people don't want it and don't want to get it would be the hardcore anti-vaxxers. Yeah. yeah. And they 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 don't make up more than 10, 15%. So you're saying that the so, holdouts, so the, the holdouts the, are going to come around. Well, I, in <laughs> fact, I will tell you, here's, here's my, my prediction, my, or you can say speculation because in the beginning, there's such a scarcity of this vaccine. We only allocate to people with such a high priority. So there's going to be a lot of people really want it but couldn't get it. So that's going to generate a psychological demand and want. So it's like an Xbox. And that, exactly. <laughs> so, in fact, that's going to influence people thinking. The more you couldn't have it, the more you think it's good. Right. The more you want it. Right. Because we're not going to be able to satisfy the demand right away for the until maybe April and May. So before that, you're going to see people are going to find all kinds of ways to get themselves immunized or qualified. And then some people are going to brag about it and say, oh, I got immunized, go, you know, I, I got a doctor to write me a certificate, say I have chronic disease condition and I can. So so then it's it's going to, it's going to create this uh, psychological demand. So I actually think that's going to be more likely to be the scenario. And so everybody say, ah, I, I want, I don't want to be the first people to get it. I want to see whether you, any of you, you know, develop this, you know, Corona looking like horn on your head before <laughs> I'm going to do it, you know? So, so that's my prediction that we should see. Yeah. I think that's right. It's going to be viral in nature. You know, people are going to, you know, I heard no, l- listen, <laughs> listen, Neil, if you if your pharmacies are able to offer the the vaccine, you gonna I 
Trust me, you're going to have a line outside your door. No, I know it. Longer than you know what to do. I, no, I told, uh, I told the county, I told the state, I'm like, I'm a maniac. I can immunize one person a minute with two helpers. So I will immunize for 14 hours a day until I get this done. And I know that there will be a line out the door for sure. And all of these people that are holding us, you know, the best analogy I heard is that folks are like, you know, I don't go to new restaurants when they first open up. I, I let other people do it. And I can understand that. But I don't really think it's going to be a difference between beginning of the year, end of the year for most folks. It'll just be like a month or two. I I'm with you on that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess your advice for everybody is to get the vaccine. And um, do you have any other like advice for people here? Anything, any, any hope we can give us here? I know we've been trashing well, <laughs> America. I, I, I think we, we should just be patient. I mean, I, I do think this, this is sort of the, the bad thing. So, I mean, so far, um, happened, the vaccine come out, uh, better and faster, uh, than we, uh, most people expected. And I, I feel very good about my own prediction because I've been keeping a very close tap on this on a day-to-day -day basis. So, and uh, my prediction in the middle of the summer was 80% chance that we had this uh, 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 workable vaccine, which is at least 80% good. So, and um, look, and also I re all the data they do publish, some of them, are particularly the preclinical data, the, the animal data, the immunogenicity data, they really look good. That's yeah. why I was so, so confident yeah, this will work. Great. And uh, another thing is that, for example, um, China, even though they never completed phase three, they already gave the emergency authorization for the, the the four vaccines, and one company already immunized more. I mean, uh, vaccinated more than a million people. Wow. So, so at least those million people so far, everybody's. Has yeah. nobody had any issues? Yeah, no, no double so, heads. So, yeah. so, so they they are blazing the trail for us, right? You know, so and um, so, so that's also an indication. It's probably not a very um, nasty vaccine at all. That's great. So, I one last thing that I've been telling folks is that they're going to be wearing masks for pretty much all of 2021. Do you think that's unrealistic? You think we'll take the masks off before the end of the year, before th uh, Thanksgiving next year? Well. Here's the here's the question. If you once you are vaccinated, and um, if you are protected, it also means you are unlikely to be a carrier or spreader of the coronavirus. Then you probably be safe to do not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. So so, but but then the question is that who are the ones? The issue, as you know, yeah. So I'm vaccinated, I'm fine. But but some people say they're not vaccinated, but they don't wear a mask. Right. But then they create the extra, the additional risk to other people. Right. So how do we manage that as a public health measure? You know, do we give a sticker to everybody vaccinated? Like you know, like I vote, <laughs> like say. I vaccinated, yeah. you know, <laughs> now, of course I can buy you a vaccinated sticker yeah. you know, myself and go to a restaurant, not wearing a mask. So anyway, yeah. yeah. so uh, those are the detail hasn't sorted out yet. Yeah. But if we can, by next summer, six months from now, if we can get 65% of the people in the United States vaccinated, mm -hmm. I would think we probably will be able to resume 
a normal life uh, with or without masks. That's, that would be my prediction. Excellent. Dr. Yip, I, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. You know, we try to take a peek behind the curtain and address myths and misinformation. That's pretty much what my show is. So I think you've done a really great job doing that for folks and you really helped me out with this. So I appreciate you and the work you've done in the past and what you continue to do. And uh, thank you for coming on. And hopefully you made a lot of people feel better about this whole thing. I, I definitely feel better about it. Um, so thanks for coming. Sure. It's my pleasure, Neil. Anytime. All right, that's it. That concludes our two-parter on the COVID vaccine. What a guest, huh? I like Dr. Yip. He's a good dude. He and I were jamming in the store about how testings failed miserably. And I'm like, this guy knows his stuff. He's got to come on. And he wowed me. I hope he wowed you guys too. I think that the interview was informative. So I hope you found it also enjoyable and reassuring. Last week, I concluded with a sentiment that I believe bears repeating. And so I'm going to just repeat it. We have to appreciate what's happening here, right? We've had one of the most studied, vetted, inspected, and reviewed vaccines delivered to us in record time. The stars have aligned and we've lucked out all across the board. Plus, we live where all the smart people are. The smartest generations ever are here and our access to information is unmatched. This is a miracle that this thing was able to come so fast. So let's do a service to those in service of us, those who have made such sacrifices for us to get here today. So commit to get vaccinated. Commit to encourage others in your world to get vaccinated. So the people in your house, the people in your circle, the people in your community, make your world smaller and make sure everyone's taken care of. We owe it to the folks who have made this miracle happen to participate in the process and participate aggressively. Please get vaccinated and please help me make sure everyone gets vaccinated. Thanks again to Dr. Ray Yip for this great information. And that's it for this episode. So tune in for more best-in-class wellness and supplement advice without the BS. Until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and be well. Be well.